Christmas Warehouse Church. It is so good to be with you this morning via video. You know, before we jump into this morning's message, I would just invite you to pray with me. Let's pray together and invite God to join us. God, we just thank you so much for your word this morning. God, we thank you that in this book we call the Bible, there's everything that we need for salvation and there's everything that we need to live the Christian life. And Father, my prayer this morning is that you would come and speak to every single one of us this morning. We love you, Lord. Thanks for loving us in the many ways you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to begin by sharing with you the greatest story ever told in Matthew's gospel. So would you read with me? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they uh, came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this news, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came rest to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him then. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Mm. Look at verse 3 again with me. What does it say? It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was what? He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Everyone say, troubled. Today, I want to share with you the trouble with Christmas. The trouble with Christmas. Now, I'm not talking about uh, Walmart is crowded, and I'm not talking about how Uncle Bobby got drunk and caused a scene. I'm not even talking about the endless lights that you have to untangle, or even why they make it so hard to get toys out of the package with all those zip ties and twisty ties. I mean, it's so hard. 
but I'm talking about the day is the trouble with the OG Christmas, the original Christmas story. Both the trouble that caused it, the trouble that it causes, and most importantly, the great trouble that you and I, we would be in without it. And so this morning, I wanna share with you five points about the trouble with Christmas. And here's the first one, number one. The trouble with Christmas is the presents are often strangely wrapped. The presents are often strangely wrapped. If I were to give you an option of one of these two gifts that you see on the screen, you would most likely choose the gift that, well, it's nicely wrapped. It looks like some thought and passion went into wrapping it. And so you would probably choose that gift rather than the one that was taped together with electrical tape. But here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that when God gives gifts, often his best gifts come wrapped in the most strangest of ways. So when we look at them, we are often tempted to stuff them in a closet or maybe re-gift them or throw them into our Goodwill pile in the garage. But let me, let me just show you something in this text that we read this morning. Here's what Matthew 119 says again. It says, Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly. You see, Joseph was going to divorce Mary because he had just found out that he was about to get, well, two for the price of one, right? Like he thought that he was just getting a wife, but it turns out that he was going to get more than just a wife. He was going to get a wife and a child, and it was a child that wasn't his, and well, that kind of disturbed him. And he probably wanted to know, like, who in the world's baby daddy is this? And we look back at that first Christmas, and we often think that, well, that it was perfect. But it wasn't perfect. Joseph thought Mary had cheated on him. He was heartbroken and a wreck. And this was a strangely wrapped gift. However, at the end of the day, Joseph was given the highest honor anyone had ever been given. You see, he got to be the adopted father of the Son of God. He spent more time with Jesus than any other human being besides Mary. The disciples, well, they only got three years with Jesus, but Joseph got him for almost 30 he got to teach him how to fish. He got to teach him how to be a carpenter. And he got to teach him the lessons of life. I mean, can you imagine the honor of being Jesus's earthly dad? But Joseph, well, he almost re-gifted. He didn't want it. And why? Because it seemed like betrayal. You see, what was on the outside was way different from what was on the inside. It was a strangely wrapped gift. And here's, well, here's what I've noticed. I've noticed that it's often this way. God has a way of giving us his best gifts wrapped in the most unusual wrapping paper. And I wonder what some of you have been handed by, by God this year. I mean, let's think about a minute. What, what's he allowed to be put into your life? That, that you look at right now and you're like Joseph, you just wanna get rid of it as quickly as possible. I mean, 
Think about it. Has your heart been broken? And now you're tempted to label or define it as the worst thing ever? Or, well, maybe, maybe it was a DUI. Or maybe you lost your job. Or maybe the company that you have poured your heart into failed. Maybe you weren't accepted into a program that, that you had your heart set on. Or maybe someone left this world that you thought would be around for a lot longer. You see, doesn't Christmas teach us to look at things and not just judge them by what they're wearing or what their wrapping is? I mean, think about it. To, doesn't Christmas teach us not to be so hasty in our conclusions that we make? I mean, God, God fit into human form by coming as a baby that was set in a feeding trough and wrapped in rags. But again, we have this picture in our mind of how they look because, well, well we look at our nativity scenes and, and they look so happy in there and they look so cozy and it and that barn, and it seems so charming. But I want you to know that that couldn't be further from the truth. You see, the baby was born in a barn, wrapped in rags, and lying in a stone feeding trough. There was nothing romantic or charming about it, and it certainly wasn't hygienic. But the horror of the wrapping had nothing to say about the importance of what was bundled up on the inside of those rags. So could I just suggest that we look with the eyes of faith, that you ought to look once more at what you've been handed. And maybe, well, just maybe, it's not as bad as it seemed at first glance. I mean, what if that DUI was just a wake-up call? I mean, maybe it was the best thing that could have ever happened to you, and why? because it helped you realize that you were moving in the wrong direction. Or maybe breakups, well, they're never easy, right? And you thought the guy or the gal was the one, and now it seems so hard, so hard to picture yourself ever loving again. But maybe them leaving you was the best thing that ever happened to you. Because why? because God got rid of the zero, and now you can meet the hero that he has for you. Or losing your job. I mean, losing your job is never pretty either, and there are some real, real ramifications to that. But would you have ever had the guts to start the business you were meant to start with the safety line of a steady paycheck that tethered you to a job that, well, you really didn't have any passion for to begin with? I mean, could you not come to a place this Christmas where one day you'll look back at what you are defining as your worst day ever, now as one of the greatest gifts of grace that God has ever given to you? So next time that you're tempted to see something that you were handed and say, this is awful, I want you to remember Joseph. I want you to remember Joseph wanting to put Mary away and that over 2,000 years later, well, many of us have a little action figure of Joseph in our homes because of the great gift that God gave him and what seemed to be a horrible turn of events 
but turned into the greatest gift ever. So that's the first point. The second point is the trouble with Christmas is that everyone is invited. Yeah, everyone is invited. I mean, that's good news, right? That's the good news of Christmas, that everyone is invited, whether you're an angel, whether you're a shepherd, or maybe you're just a regular blue collar working class folks like Mary and Joseph. Everyone's invited. And so all of humanity was represented and welcomed at the manger from the Magi to the shepherds and everyone in between. And so here's the beauty of Christmas. The beauty is that everyone is welcome at the Christmas table. You see, it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you've been, no matter what you've done, you are welcome. Now you may feel unworthy of God's love this Christmas, and I hope that's not the case. But you may, maybe you just got out of prison, or, or maybe you just had an abortion, or maybe you've done something that, well, that has caused your children to want nothing to do with you at all. I want you to hear this, that you need to hear that this Christmas, there is a God in heaven that loves you and loves you no matter what. He loves you and he's got a perfect plan for your life. You see, the good news of Christmas is that everyone's invited. That's the good news. So what's the bad news? <laughs> well, the bad news is the same as the good news. The bad news is everyone's invited to Christmas. Even those that you wouldn't invite, even those that you are mad at this Christmas. Listen, I want you to know this, that Christmas is not just a time for us to think of the goodwill between God and us. But Christmas is also a time for us to consider who is it that we are withholding goodwill from here on earth. Is there someone in your life this Christmas who, well, the relationship was once sweet and is now sour? I mean, think about it. We are here today in worship to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate this great love that God has given each of us through Jesus. But well, who are we withholding that love from? I mean, how can we sit in front of our Christmas trees with our families, giving out gifts and celebrating the grace of God and then be stingy with the same grace towards others? You see, Christmas isn't just about what we receive. It's also about what we give. And I want you to hear this. We're supposed to give that same grace that God has given us. You see, church, we must be willing to forgive people. So maybe, maybe you need to make a phone call this Christmas. I mean, life is way too short to hold a grudge. And really, when we hold grudges, it's a poison in our hearts. It's like battery acid. It just eats away at us and it just causes more bitterness in our lives. You see, we have received great love from God and we need to give that love away. And that's the second point. The third point is this, the trouble with Christmas is that it's awkward 
if you call yourself king. It's awkward if you call yourself king. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not, but Christmas is all about a king coming into the world. But he came into a kingdom, well, that already had a throne that was already occupied by someone else. If you look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 again, you see these words. It says, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but King Herod had already given himself the title king of the Jews. But the magi, the wise men, show up and they're asking where the real king of the Jews is. I mean, they went all around Jerusalem asking everyone that they met at every street corner, hey, where is the king of the Jews? Have you seen him? Do you know where we can find him? And Herod finds out and has them over for dinner and right away says, hey, who are you all? And they're like, well, we're a group of wise men from a far away country. And listen, they were not just three dudes, right? I mean, we call them the three wise men because well, they brought three gifts. But reality is that these are high diplomatic officials. And they're probably from Babylon and they probably heard about this Messiah from the prophecies that Daniel wrote while he was in Babylon. And, and they would have traveled with bodyguards and soldiers, and there would have been a bunch of them traveling together. So these guys show up, and King Herod asks, well, who are you looking for? And what do they say? They say, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And he's probably like, oh, well, I, I should have introduced myself. My name's Herod, King Herod, and well, I'm the king of the Jews. And the throne is already taken. It's mine. And the Magi are like responding this way, like awkward. They're just kind of looking at each other and then they're like, super nice to meet you, King. But the truth is, we're looking for a much younger, more powerful King of the Jews. And we heard he was just born and we want to meet him. So do you have any idea where we might find this King of the Jews? And maybe right now you might be feeling a little sorry for King Herod, but, but don't, don't feel sorry for him because King Herod, well, he was a bad man and he was so bad and so jealous that he had his wife murdered, he had his mother-in-law murdered, he had his brother-in-law murdered, and he had three of his sons murdered because, well, he thought that they were plotting against him. And so King Herod had a lot of issues. And unfortunately, Herod couldn't do anything against the Magi. Because if he did, it probably would have provoked a war and he couldn't afford that. But he could join them in looking for the king that they were talking about. And you see this whole awkward interaction where the king was born and there was already a king well, it gave Herod one of the most important moments of his life. You see, King Herod had a critical decision to make right at this moment. It's the same decision that every single one of us 
have to make in this life as well. And it's this, was Herod going to retain the starring role in the story or was he going to recognize the entrance of the one that came into the world that was way greater than he? Was he gonna sit on his throne and was he stubbornly gonna hold on to his crown or was he going to do what the Bible says the Magi did and bow their knees before the newborn king and recognize him as the sovereign Lord and ruler over all of the universe. Sadly and unfortunately, Herod, well, he chose to hold on to his own crown and he still died. And when he died, much of his kingdom died with him. I mean, how much of his splendor and how much of his riches did he get to take with him? Absolutely none of it. You see, church, we can't take our stuff with us in the end. But what we can do right now is we can bow our knees and we can choose not to cling to this world, but lay our lives down and count it as a loss for the gift of knowing Jesus. So let me caution you this Christmas. And I know it's awkward, but here's the deal. If you call yourself king, or if you call yourself queen, if you're the Lord of your life, guess what? You're no different than Herod. You see, it's not about us. It's always been about Jesus. And so it's awkward if you call yourself king. That's number three. And here's the fourth point that I want to share with you today. The trouble with Christmas is compliance is rewarded with chaos. Compliance is rewarded with chaos. I want you to think about Mary and Joseph. You see, they were given strangely wrapped gifts. Mary, on one hand, was given the gift of being a virgin, unmarried, single mother. And how did she receive it? Well, the Bible tells us that she responded this way. She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, Mary said, I accept this gift. And Joseph, well, once the angel showed up in his dream, he chose to, to wed Mary. He chose to take this honor as well. He chose to say, I accept this gift. And at each encounter that Mary and Joseph had with the angel of the Lord, guess what the angel said to them? He said that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and would overshadow them all of their days. So I wonder if Mary and Joseph ever found themselves saying to each other, you know what, Mary, you know what, Joseph? God's gonna take care of us. He gave us this calling and he's gonna help us to make the best of it. And so filled with faith, what did they do? They moved forward. And what happened next? As soon as they moved forward, their compliance was rewarded with chaos. As soon as they accepted the difficult assignment of being uh, the stepmom and stepdad of Jesus, the bottom dropped out of their life. First of all, they get a letter from the IRS and they find an unexpected tax bill that they didn't plan on. Caesar decided to institute this special tax and you couldn't e-pay it. Nope, you had to go and pay it in person. And not only did you have to pay it in person, but you had to go to the city in which you were born to pay this tax. Now there, there's a good time. 
traveling 70 miles on a donkey with your wife who is nine months pregnant and probably has hemorrhoids at this point? I mean, how much fun could that be? So what did they do? They set out on the journey to Bethlehem and they are trying to make the best of it. And all the while, are they not thinking, God, like, what are you doing? I mean, what the heck, God? We are trying to serve you here and this is what we get? We gotta travel to Bethlehem? And then what happens next? Well, they finally get to Bethlehem and there's no place for them to stay. And I'm pretty sure that this is probably the straw that broke uh, the proverbial camel's back for Joseph. I mean, I can only imagine Joseph uh, saying, God, really? I mean, the innkeeper's like, you know what? There's no room. You should have booked a room on Expedia or maybe Verbo. But Joseph's thinking, God, you gotta be kidding me. You didn't even book us a hotel in the Red Sea Hotel? I mean, this is your kid. Like, we're, we're just foster parents for your child. Why aren't you with us? You see, their compliance was rewarded with chaos. And so often, isn't this the way it is? I mean, the Connors, we've been experiencing this all month. I mean, as soon as we said yes to God to move to Kentucky, we are following his will and the chaos immediately began. I mean, it just was one thing after another. We faced some challenging circumstances over the past month. And I'll be real with you, in the back of our minds, we're thinking to ourselves, what the heck, God? Like, like we're trying to serve you here. We're trying to follow your will. What's going on? And so often, so often when we comply to God's strangely wrapped gifts and we follow the star thinking, I'm going to serve God, guess what? The star leads us to a stable. And why is that? Well, I think it's so that God can prepare us for the many blessings he wants to give us. But we'll need humility to properly handle it. And I think that he is preparing us for blessing by allowing chaos in our lives. You see, God knows that we'll need something. We'll need some strengthening. We'll need some grounding. We'll need to develop the muscles of our faith. And only having a situation in the stable can do that to get us ready for the things that he has for us. Remember what happened to Mary and Joseph in the midst of their chaos? Oh, that's right. A bunch of friends from Babylon showed up. They had no idea they were coming, but they showed up handing them gold and frankincense and myrrh. I mean, treasure after treasure after treasure. You see, God was pulling them into the chaos so he could bless them. But first, well, they needed to trust him amid what seemed like he was when he seemed what seemed like he was ignoring them. And I wonder if that's not the same for you. I wonder if God hasn't allowed some chaos, as you said. Well, God, I'm making a commitment to serve you. I'm going to start giving like I've never given before. I'm going to make better decisions. I'm going to read my Bible every single day. I'm going to seek to act out of integrity and not dishonesty. 
And as soon as we make that commitment, as soon as we make that decision, everything starts breaking and everything falls apart. And why? So that you and I will be postured to receive the provision for the next stage of our development. So what happens next to Mary and Joseph? Well, they had to flee to Egypt for a couple of years because Herod went on a rampage, killing every baby two years of age and younger. And most commentators will agree that Mary and Joseph were able to sell the gold and frankincense and myrrh to fund their time in Egypt. So let me just remind you of this, that while you find yourself sitting in your stable angry because you followed the star, maybe, just maybe, God's got you there so he can give you something that's gonna come in handy down the road and you don't even know you'll need it because you don't even know where you're heading. You see, God has the whole map in front of him and all we get to see is one step in front of us. So just trust him, just trust him. Maybe that's the message of Christmas, that he's got your back and he's for you and he's not against you. He's got a plan for your life. You see, that's the fourth point of the trouble with Christmas. And here's the final point. The trouble with Christmas is that it's easy to bury the lead. It's easy to bury the lead. In other words, it's easy for you and I to miss the point. That phrase, bury the lead, it's a, well, it's a journalism term. And folks who write for newspapers are taught to write in such a way that they don't focus on the needless details of the story, but that they focus on the story from the very beginning. They give you the facts right from the very beginning. You get right to it. Now, if you're writing a novel, uh, it's not this way. When you're writing a novel, you write in such a way to string people along with suspense. You want them to keep turning pages. You don't start with the end. You build up the drama. But if you're writing for a newspaper, that would be called burying the lead. You see, you always start with the most important information first, and then the rest of the story follows. And they do that so that if another story comes in at the last minute, all that the newspaper has to do is cut the last paragraph of every story to make room for the new story. You see, the main thing always comes first in journalism. Now, there are other instances in lives where this is also true and important. And one example, let's just say, let's say your husband uh, is in surgery and you're in the waiting room and you're anxiously waiting for the news. You're wringing your hands, you're nervous, you're a wreck. And finally, the doctor comes out of the doors and walks up to you and says, ma'am, your husband died on the table three times, but we managed to bring him back and he's fine now. Like if the doctor led that way, you'd probably punch him in the face. <laughs> I mean, you don't start your with your husband died. You say something like, your husband's fine. We lost him three times on the table, but we got him back and he's gonna be okay. I wonder, have you ever thought how easy it is for us to bury the lead with Christmas. Like I got news for you. Christmas has trouble. 
Christmas was caused by trouble, but you and I, we would be in a whole lot more trouble if we didn't have Christmas. And the crazy thing is, is that well, we tend to focus on the trouble of this world, the trouble that caused there to be a Christmas rather than focusing on Christmas. You see, we're often guilty of burying the lead. We focus on the wrong things. We focus on the economy, or maybe we're focused on the pandemic, or maybe we're focused on our family problems and we cry, woe is me, woe is me. You see, there's so much trouble around us. But have you ever thought that Christmas causes trouble too? I mean, really, Christmas is a rescue mission. It's not a holiday. It's a divine intervention. You see, God sent his son in the world to take care of the problem of sin and death. So, of course, there's going to be trouble. I mean, doesn't every rescue mission have trouble? I mean, think about it. Firemen have to chop down doors with axes. They have to pry open cars with the jaws of life. Sometimes lifeguards have to knock the victim out just to get them safely to shore. Paramedics, they crack ribs doing CPR to rescue people. And just like CPR is a life-saving intervention, so is Christmas. And yes, there's trouble. I mean, even Jesus admitted that there would be trouble, but Jesus never buried the lead. What did he say in John chapter 16, verse 33? He said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? You'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, church, the lead of Christmas is this, that in Jesus, you have peace. In the midst of trouble, you will have peace. Our peace is not a peace that takes us away from trouble. It's a peace he gives us in the middle of our trouble. It's like an anchor for your soul that can sustain you in the middle of the worst things that this world can throw at you. So let me just beg you to trust him this Christmas. I dare you to praise him this Christmas, even if things aren't going your way. I dare you to find exceedingly great joy in your worship of Jesus, who is called the Prince of Peace. Listen, if God feels far away from you this Christmas, I want you to know that he hasn't left you. He never leaves you. He's always with you. All you have to do is open up this gift of his word and you will find peace. You see, one of the names that God gave Jesus is the name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel simply means God with us. I want you to know today that God is with you. He's always with you. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've become, no matter where you are in your life, God is with you. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you so much for the gift of Christmas. 
God, I thank you that we can be reminded that there's trouble in Christmas, that sometimes gifts come wrapped in the most strangest of ways. God, that everyone is invited to Christmas. God, help us to remember that it's awkward when we call ourselves the King. Lord, help us to always remember that we should never bury the lead, but Father, that we should always keep you at the center of our lives. Father, I pray for everyone that's in this room today. And God, I pray that if there's someone here this morning who has never, ever said yes to you, that this morning would be the morning that they would say, God, I want the greatest gift that was ever given, the gift of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that they would just pray and invite you to come and be the king of their lives. And Father, maybe there's someone here this morning who says, you know what? This Christmas has not been peaceful at all. And Father, maybe they've been looking for that peace in a lot of different ways. Maybe they've been looking for it in the wrong places. But Father, this morning, as we worship in just a moment, what an opportunity they have to receive the peace that comes from you. Because Lord, you promised us, you said there'll be trouble. There's gonna be trouble, but that you have come and you have conquered this world and we may do the very same thing and that you have come to give us peace. We love you, Lord. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we, as the worship team comes and leads us in our last song, I just want to invite you. Maybe you just need to come to the front today. And maybe you just need to pray. You can pray by yourself or you can ask someone to come and pray with you. Because maybe you just feel like, you know what? I need that peace. I need that peace in my life. So you come as you're ready and as we worship today. And I hope you have a Merry Christmas and we'll see you real soon.